Hello, good morning, and welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass. Is she? Inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. (laughs) Nothing ticks better than Pundit Friday, which we're about to begin here in the WNHA studio with the number one pundits in the media universe. Uh Talking about the latest news. Uh Pundits like... Uh Uh-oh. The... uh, the, magic, the bell of our ball, magic at the city news. Those are the ones I had. Love on. Babs, oh, love the ones she brought me. Babs, Rawls, Ivy. Yeah. The flyest news hunter gatherer this side yeah. of Fleet Street. Yeah. Star New Haven independent reporter Marquisha Ricks. Yeah. Hello. Normie Rodriguez Reyes does not appear to be in the house. We'll miss her for next She's week. She's in the house of the Lord. That's it. The house <laughs> of the Lord on Good Friday. New Haven, WNHA station manager and heavy D Donald Trump devotee. Back from a procedure is um, rumored is going to be showing up in the studio, maybe. Harry Droz, the bravest Harry man Droz. in New Haven. Yeah. And don't forget, Uh-oh. Here we the go. bright light in the New Haven night, the straight shooter from Bermuda, Uh-oh. the mystical, mystical and metaphorical man on the money, yeah. the tackler of tempestuousness and titan of temperance, the banisher of bilious bullies, <laughs> the right reverend of rapture, the high priest of hip-hop. Yeah. I feel like Joe those first Ugly. four were new. Of Joe Ugly Show in the morning. Welcome, yeah. everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It, it, was just, it was just a matter of time, folks. It was just a matter of time. Well, Until all this talk about poisoned elections, hacked elections, <laughs> would come to New Haven. Because I heard a rumor, it might not be true, totally unconfirmed, <laughs> that the State Elections Enforcement Commission is looking into what might have been a hijacked election in New Haven. What? In New Haven? In New Haven. For what? Uh-oh. Because oh, the result made... People were questioning the result, but see, I don't know if they had any real evidence. I think it might have been because of the result. Uh oh. Over at 360 State, you know, the skyscraper, <laughs> they had an election for sexiest male tenant in the building. So, what does one have to do to to even run for such a position? How do you sure. run? <laughs> you just got to. Well, you have to wear a G string. I don't understand. Here, is there some on, pictures? We have, we have exclusive up. on Pundit Friday. The man. <laughs> who allegedly won the election is right here in the your studio. Election. What's wrong with you? There's no challenge. Joe Ugly won the election, they said. He was declared the winner. <laughs> Vladimir Putin, they were so looking to, to see that? whether he's... Do you have to demonstrate Vladimir a talent? Joe, how did you win this election? I have did no you beat idea. Box? I didn't even know I was in an election. All I know, I got cut off in an elevator and just was told the results. Oh, no, this is real? <laughs> this is real. This is the election I didn't tell you about, Babs. They had an election for sexiest man at 360. That's the, that's the 90-story skyscraper. <laughs> Did you start that rumor? <laughs> Did your okay. wife start that rumor? <laughs> it's crazy because my wife was in my Ron's wife was talking. in California at the time. And so she could she do absentee votes? We doing absentee, absentee ballots. Yes, yeah, she did. Yes. But her and my son, when they came home, uh, I mentioned it to him. And I, of course, you know, I had a witness of, you know, what I was told. And my witness was like, yeah, um, they call him to which my son immediately stopped making this noise in the kitchen. I, uh, uh, uh. I'm like, what is wrong with you? He goes, what were they looking at? But so what was this election, Joe? <laughs> what was this election? Was it a paper? Was there re- it really was an election for sexiest man in, in 360 states? Someone just came up with something to say. Quite but sure. I mean, how did people vote? I don't know. Are there any I other think... black people in your building? No, of course. Of course. Of course. But is it black math? Is it like seven? Black math. Yeah, it's White about math. Se- yeah, it's about White seven. Math. <laughs> no, actually, we have about three black guys. Right? <laughs> and you have a flu floors that are uh, public housing, right? Oh, right. my God. Exactly. We do. We do. Uh, and, and, you know, that's something I really like about our building. What? The There's no black we, people? Oh, wow. <laughs> we do have blacks in our building. All we right. have uh, 
people who are from public housing all the way on up to professionals. Like Joe. I love I love about my building. I love that because it's really a community. Is it really? Yeah, I get that from. I mean, there are some people who just like. Are there hangout spaces? You know, yes, our lobby. Have you seen our lobby? Yeah. We have a clubhouse. It's unbelievable. That's true. Yeah. And people yeah. hang out there. Yes, very I think nice. That's where the votes. So, what was this election? I mean, did people <laughs> scroll in on a piece of paper? Did I they... don't know how they did this. I told but you, you want congratulations on quote winning. Although I just got you said quote winning. Yeah, just... because the SEC hasn't yet weighed in. They got to check your campaign finances. So, folks, help me figure out something. Uh, Why is it that I'm not, speaking of hacked elections, mm -hmm. why am I completely <laughs> unworried? And this is a sincere statement. Okay. I am completely unworried about Cambridge Analytica. I'm completely unworried about this big international scandal mm -hmm. about this company that Steve Bannon was working for in England mm -hmm. that used a really sleazy tactic to someone to pretend to be an academic researcher, mm -hmm. fooled all of Facebook to give him 50 million people's mm -hmm. personal information from Facebook they used that to do big data mining that may or may not have helped Donald mm -hmm. Trump. My hunch is it did not. Harry heard Donald Trump. And so everybody's upset about this. And I'll tell you why I'm not worried and tell me if I'm crazy. I really want to hear this. I'm completely unworried about this. Okay. I agree with people who say that we should be concerned about how our data is used on these uh -huh. social media platforms. Uh -huh. I'm concerned with people who say, I'm not concerned about the election because when Barack Obama used big data mining, even uh -huh. though he didn't do it the sleazy way to get the info, uh -huh. That was hailed by all the same reporters as a great advance. And there's I think it was. No, no, no. The difference is how they obtained it. But, Correct. But uh -huh. when we sign up with Facebook, uh -huh. yeah, first of all, all campaigns, and it started whether it's the Democratic machines, that's easy ways to get stuff, not that it's right. Uh -huh. All campaigns will have people pretend to be someone else to get information to try to use in an election. Correct. That's something that's always been done. Correct. When we're on Facebook, uh -huh. yes, we should be aware of how our private data is used but we're mm -hmm. signing up with a for-profit corporation it's not a social change it's not a soup kitchen understand they're going to make money the best they can and the only way they make really make money and all these companies make money is using your data so mm -hmm. if you're signing up for facebook you're giving up your right to your data so then not I mean, correct I, but when you are used when when barack obama was using your data or other people mm -hmm. using big data that's data they called from what you bought at supermarkets it's data from what is surveys you answered nielsen ratings this is all just a big bunch of data people using to zero in on voters. It turns out this group might not even have been good at it. Why are people thinking this is a Trump scandal? I just don't get the it. The reason why it makes a difference in this case, and I hear you 100%, Barack Obama got this information. And he should have. He did but, it right. But he did it the correct way. They did not use outside sources, nor did they reverse engineer uh, the information they had in the sense of where they targeted they start putting in false information towards the data they had. That's what Cambridge Analytica Okay, so let me tell doing. you a story about that. Okay. One of the landmark Democratic techniques for using big data or some data, mm -hmm. a Democratic polling firm, I know one of the guys, he's mm -hmm. from New Haven, who, who pioneered this, is they look up who voted and who didn't vote in the last election when they try to get their turnout, mm -hmm. and they write you false information that they're just letting you know that your neighbor voted and you didn't. So you better get to the polls as a way to psychological manipulation, using your data, using their data, telling you okay, a story to get you to you the polls. Still, but, but, but what do they do? They tell you that your neighbor voted. That's what you're saying? If as you, a motivational if you, technique. Right, at a motivational technique. They're not telling you that your neighbor is going to report you to such a... So such a immigration. So what <laughs> did Cambridge do that? Yes, Cambridge was doing all types okay, of... Okay, that's terrible. Anyone going to try to scare tricks. immigrants, but in They're, general... Not only immigrants, they were trying into... They were using it to individuals that they know, uh, you know, like job information, you know, like, you know, using it about 
immigrants and jobs. They were doing all Okay, I agree that stuff is scary, right. but I think the whole thing about Facebook yeah. is that I think we have an but that's just naive one idea of, of what Facebook is and how I, campaigns I, I, work. I hear what you say. No, but um, that's Paul. just one part of it. Can I just, 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 can I just complete? The other part of it is that Cambridge Analytical is not a U.S. firm. Big whoop. No, don't just big whoop it. I don't want to big whoop that. So Stanley Greenberg, the poster for Clinton, was also the poster for Nelson Mandela and Tony Blair, who's an American firm. But so they what? don't have they don't have the same laws that we have. We operate in when we're in uh, South Africa, we use South African laws. And when we're in the U.S., we use U.S. laws. The U.S. laws say do not bring foreign uh, foreign influence into our into our election. Okay, Babs, what we've seen. I, I, you know, I think the issue of privacy is when you're on social media sites. I'm not one of these people that's so wedded. To- wedded by uh, or, or so turned around by access to privacy i i don't believe there is such a thing as privacy unless you go completely off the grid mm-hmm. move into the woods and mm-hmm. just you stop know communicate and stop commu- catch rain water and solar solar sun your stuff mm-hmm. because can i come with you this sounds like a fun community <laughs> except i'm not getting no, up early no i wouldn't be, i'm just saying i'm not that okay. person <laughs> <laughs> like, no, i'm going to be live and well I, I, like knowing, I like the knowing there's, there's, i like knowing that there are cameras on the streets that can mm-hmm. track my whereabouts so and you in case know, you go yeah. missing, okay. and, Babs, and there's a lot a, of us that go missing. Babs, mm-hmm. this is a great point. So you know that there's a price. Right. There is a price. Okay, but here's the other part. And big data is going to know what TV Listen, shows you watch. We are being, market, we are being marketed to twenty four seven. But here's, yeah, the here, fact here's that another part of it. As long every, as I, everywhere you go, but I, I want freedom to protect against it. Imagine, if I don't want to participate, imagine that, right. Imagine if I uh, decide to sign up for something, and okay. That's what I sign up for. Like, you don't mind having the cameras on that. That's your choice. But because you sign up for that, should not open me up to that because I'm your friend on Facebook. And that's, that's true. I, I agree with you there. I think I think that's going too far. I disagree with both of you. If you're a friend of Facebook, you're agreeing to participate in Facebook, which is a private company, for-profit, public. You know, they are not allowed to act in any way that doesn't make the most possible money for their shareholders. This is a business you're willing to be a subject in a lab for them in return. And there, no, have, and no, there, have, and no, there have been studies that have shown that in addition to this, this whole, th- this big scandal with this, this analytics company, um, that, that there have been researchers studying you. So remember Michelle Turner said, um, that she felt like all the things on her feed were negative, but mm-hmm. well, there was a study going on where they were flooding people's timeline with, with really the, things, really negative things and trying to track like how they responded right. so without they their data. permission exactly. and with like, with, with, um, you know, ethical research, right. this you're is supposed to tell your subjects it's that you're, kitchen. it's not. And you know what someone said, I don't know who said this, but I thought it was such a good point, which is that, you know, everybody on Facebook that you're friends with, that's your neighborhood. Those are your, your homies right. for better or worse. But you are in a world owned by a corporate entity. Yes, this is not America. It's not, it's not a democracy. A it's a gov. It's not a government thing. It's stop- a corporate run planet. So now that's and you decided point, to, yeah. that, that you don't have any right. rights other than the ones that Facebook gives you, which means Facebook can say, "Oh, you can't post that." Mm-hmm. The other day, I was just liking all of the Delta Sigma Theta alumni mm-hmm. chapter pages just because I felt like it. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be connected to them and see all the interesting things that they're doing. Maybe we want to borrow some ideas. 
Facebook said blocked me from liking pages because it says it looks like you're liking too many pages and misusing this. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was okay, like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> you you started raise a very good point when I you thought said where they're doing research and the research should be done in an ethical form. That is that is the cross of it right there. I don't even know if you research know? And, you know, and ethical can be. be in the same sentence. Yeah, but one it point is that while I'm agreeing with very much Marquise and Babs on this, mm-hmm. I do think that government does have a right to regulate companies. So they say there have to be right. certain rules so banks can't cheat you without right. you knowing the facts of what they're doing with your loan. So if Facebook has certain rules, I do think... When but you I think sign government doc- hasn't kept up with yeah. like they technology. Like, and they never like have. Like the fact it's that hard. you can send money through Facebook now, like right. whoever saw that, I never saw that coming, but it's what you, you can that, do. That's the part about government that we give them a pass on because in all actuality, government can link in with people from the tech industry and keep up with it. You're but right. Government You're right. They can, but they choose it. not to. Exactly. Or they because like to receive they, the money. And Harry Droz has something to say about that. I agree with you on that mm-hmm. i i joe i got you on that i think government i think we give government a pass yeah, we and do, we sure. and we say it so much so that we accepted the fact and that they and that campaign is being really start revving up oh we can't keep up we can't no but then get with the people who can yeah because guess what when all the politicians and that we elect don't have all the answers but they get aides who can help them solve these issues you're, you're right. Right. And, and, and it only becomes an issue when the republicans get to use the information no, that's wrong because that's of course totally because when when obama did it and they data mined, and everybody thought they were genius for doing it, and there yeah. were no rules. But here it is on how are, they data mined. But there are here's laws. A, here's the thing. Here's, this, you know what's telling? That goes way back uh, that I already addressed. Here's the thing that, that here's the thing that is here's the here's the dividing line for me, Harry. So you understand <laughs> because you keep bringing up this administration, this current administration, with with the level of deceit and stupidity that they've exhibited from day one, mm-hmm. up against. The Obama administration, where he was the epitome of integrity. But Babs, in this case, I'm with you in <laughs> and general. Intelligence. I'm with you in mm-hmm. general about when Harry does that. In this case, this isn't a knock on Obama. Obama did nothing wrong. Did oh, absolutely I know. Wrong. But, but I don't but think Trump Harry is saying he did. But, and, and I see Joe had a point that there are certain aspects of this that was wrong. But on the big picture of data mining for voters to really narrowly define who might be a voter based on consumer Understood. information and information. I that was a trend that Obama legitimately legally started. Right. And while there are problems the with word. this Cambridge Ali- and there are problems with the Cambridge analytical thing, no evidence that it helped Trump get elected. I don't think uh, it did. Yeah, but that's but not the, the point. point. The help part is, is the help part to get elected. Oh you just went out. Yeah, you just went out. Your mic just went out. Why did your mic go at Oh she just kicked it out. Yeah. Push the button. There you go. you gotta push that little thing. Yeah. Okay, anyway, I'm going to remind people that we're pushing your buttons here on Prunt Friday. <laughs> and I just wanted to add to that conversation, though. Like, we're having, and it's about, it's sort of Can like the me? conversations yeah. that we're having about so many things, whether it's Stormy Daniel or the Russians. Like, uh, the Reverend William Barber was here um, for the Poor People's Campaign in uh, my, my spiritual her crush. spiritual crush. But he, he talked about something that I thought was really important, which is that voter suppression, like all the laws that were getting passed for to suppress actual voters, uh, that happened before Trump got elected. It happened. It started happening before Obama got elected. Right. So, like, those are real legit. But Trump has like, elevated things. to the White House the idea that there's this myth of all these people legally voting that you need to have 
exactly and he's he's using social medias to push those agendas but let's be clear like real legislators are passing real laws that keep people from voting listen the republican playbook is is such that it is 20 30 40 years in the making they didn't wake up yesterday saying let's vote or suppress they started this mess a long time ago we started on this mess on all this mess on (laughs) friday at 11 (laughs) o'clock you're listening to punter friday wnhh 103.5 fm live streamed at (laughs) newhavenindependent.org we're with the best pundits of business we're running out of the week those and marquisha brought up some here makes a good segue in my opinion is there were two heavy speeches in New Haven this week, national figures who came and challenged us on civil rights issues of today. Mm-hmm. First she had gone to was William J. Barber, bring, reviving, right, Martin Luther King's Poor People's Campaign, the campaign that got him killed. And Barber was saying, wasn't he saying, tell me if I'm wrong, that we're not necessarily so much further than we think we are from those days, right, mm-hmm. Marquisha? Absolutely, particularly when it comes to the <laughs> issue of poverty. Um, we're supposed to be this advanced nation, at making America great again. Uh, and even before that, we're still a nation filled with people who are poor, who don't have what they need. Um, and and he 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 brought, I think, a lot of like this conversation. Like, if we're going to talk about um, specific policies that are hurting people, we have to talk about policies that keep people from advancing, that keep people from having what they need. We have to talk about poverty and how we have not. He said the war on poverty. I thought this was. A really good point. The war on poverty, it wasn't that it failed. It was that we left the battlefield. Like, we stopped <laughs> fighting poverty. But you also have in that in that, uh, can, in that that canister, you also have people who vote against their interest. There are people who, uh, you know, you have white people who are poor. They, they I don't think they know they're poor. And they don't poor. because there's this persistent narrative of white supremacy yeah. that but says, at least right. I'm not black. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's... So, <laughs> Then that's real. Yeah. So, but, so I'd rather be poor and proud than black. Yes. But the bottom line, they're voting against their interest. Or maybe they're voting what they say their interest are, is, which is just even though a voting for this person is going to kick me off no, Medicaid. Their interest is poverty. Their right. interest should be. But they're poverty. not defining this as they're defining interest. And he as talked about Hillary the racialized language, like for instance, we around Obamacare, and he said that he he wished that that President Obama had resisted that language of, of stamping his name because that was a way of racializing the American the yeah, but, Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. because you had people literally saying, oh, I don't want that of Obamacare, but I have the Affordable Care Act. It was right. great. But the thing is, Obama, I think it was like two or three weeks in, he was like, he was pushing back on Obamacare, but it was already, the law had already passed. The law had you know, passed, and, but like, by the time it, it like, got the Supreme Court, I think it actually it's the Obamacare press's fault break. that it became Obamacare. We kept using that language. Like, we didn't yeah. stop calling it that. We didn't call it by its actual name. We kept calling it Obamacare, just but like it was a, Romney Care. In, yeah, but that's such a yeah. shame. In, that, Massachusetts. Right. in Massachusetts. But that's just a, such a shame that we're so afraid of how it's going <laughs> to backlash. We take, a, we take the, the name of the first African American president off of such a major accomplishment just to appease a few. That's no, what his advisor said. It. His advisor said at one point we didn't want to use the name, mm-hmm. but now let's embrace it. Let's say and we're we proud should. of it. And we're we gonna put Obama's names and we're That's gonna run the thing it. Is, and then they somehow they somehow the, lost the public it. battle that keeping you healthy is against your interests. They somehow lost that battle. I don't know how they it, because you know they let the name they did not stand for the brand. I mean, Coca-Cola been through all types of negative things. They come out on the other side because they don't give up the brand. And that's what <laughs> that's what we should have never done. We should have never give up uh, Obama. So on the and same we week, keep that, calling it Obama. Same week that William Barber came here, mm-hmm. there was another fascinating speech. There's going to be a great article about it. 
and, and you'll be able to see a lot about right it. And, and, uh, Christopher Peake has an no article video. coming out is today. There, I mean... Nicole Hannah-Jones <laughs> is one of the leading writers on race in the country. To write some New York Times I magazine. wanted to go to that soap. It was too many things. She talked hero. about a similar point to Barber's. Too many looking at, And again, Barber spoke week before the anniversary, 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's murder. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, what Jones talked about is that Brown versus Board of Education. Now, Supreme Court case said that several but equal is not an okay rule for schools. You got to integrate. That we're more segregated than ever. And there are a lot of statistics. Read yep. Chris's article. There's no question about it. It's deep in New Haven. In our county, it's three-quarters mm-hmm. white. More than 90% of the students in 70 schools are rich minorities. Some schools, the one school in New Haven is so um, black and brown, Hill Central, that the state will not release the actual number of white students because that would that would jeopardize the confidentiality of the one or two who are there. So, I mean, we're deeply, deeply... Even though, Lord, I want segregation. to talk to the one or two there, their families and who so they it, are and how why they yeah. stay and Nicole, they don't have anywhere else to go. That's a great story. Nicole Hunter-Jones <laughs> writes, he said, her here's your challenge. So back in the day, the hero or the heroine of the story of desegregation was the little black girl, like Ruby Bridges, someone five or six years old, goes there, gets the life-threatened, asterized in school, but is the first who goes in, or James Meredith at college, and then opens the door and everybody else goes in. She said, we need a different kind of person now. White liberals, you say that you believe in a just society, an integrated society. You have to send your kid to a traditional public school that's Thank mostly you. black or brown. That's not the one school like Worthington Hooker where everyone tries to right. get in. And, and Chris looked at something kind of interesting. The schools that have most white kids in New Haven are East Shore, Nathan mm-hmm. Hale, which is like the neighborhood, 46% white. Mm-hmm. Edge of school is 31% white. That's a citywide school. And Hooker is, the, is 47% white and a city point. 50, and then those three schools I mentioned are the top three schools in test scores in the city. Right. Hooker was the only school in the city to score higher than the state average. And then he looked at charter schools. And charter schools have two different kind of records because they're two different kinds of charter schools. Amistad Academy, run mostly by white people, is pretty close to 100% black and brown. Elm City College Prep has, didn't have a single white student out of 752. Nine out of a thousand at Amherst Academy. But there's another kind of nonprofit charter, okay? I mean, the other one's nonprofit, but the hedge fund, right? So M City Montessori and Common Ground have 24% white students. One could argue is a good number because you don't want a majority in a city that's not majority. You want a good schools to have opportunities for everybody. There are so many issues to unpack here. For white people, it's when we feel defensive. But people think Common Ground is a white school. People. Be- you, That's the perception. Yes, That's because perception. compared to other schools. So <laughs> my daughter started Edgewood School. It was not yet a magnet school. And I think she might have had like four white kids out of, or five out of 25 in the class. It was called the white school because there was no other school except for Worthington Hooker where you saw that many white kids. Not by the white parents. This was by the black teachers. They called it the white school. And so there are a lot of issues here. First of all, I, I was wondering whether Babs agrees with Nicole and Jones because there's, um, there's this whole question that, that black parents reassessed busing and desegregating. It's not that we need our kid to go six next to a white kid. That's for the white kid's benefit to get a diverse education. Correct. We just need all schools to be better. That's Do you it. agree with her that it's, because then white parents say, well, I don't want to jeopardize my kid if the system's broken so that they screw the poor kids and the black kids and give them lousy schools. Should I make my kid an experiment or, or jeopardize that kid for the ideals to send them there? Her, answer back because even though she, she's half white half black she's privileged but she sends her kids to a non-privileged brooklyn school to try to make a difference she'll say if you really want to just side as anybody's of your interest you but do why? integrate what, what do you think babs okay. is she right i mean i i think so much of, i think we put too much success on I, I, I get it i get it 
I think we put a lot of we put a lot of energy and effort into a school where the success of children, academic success, social success is not so much where they go to school. It's everything that you build around them. Mm-hmm. Right. To make success. So uh, you could put a kid in any school. And if you build the right supports around that kid, that kid will be successful. I've done it with my own kids, even though they're crazy. But we've we've <laughs> we've, we've been thoughtful about where we sent them to school. And mm-hmm. we they came through the parochial system because I like the smallness and the religious instruction of the parochial school because I thought that was important. But they're in public school now and they're in very different public schools that sort of um, um, speak to diversity. But it, but diversity and interest of things, not so much community, but interest. Environmental yeah. theme school. Yes. Science. But what about. For white people, she right that if we're in a positive change, white liberals got to be true to their values and say, "I'm going to send my kid to Hill Central." Well, we we know that we know that that's to, to be true, but they don't. A few of them will but do should it. Should they? I don't think. Like, should they take a civil rights kind of stand? The, the same that, way black people. Can I speak, Joe Ugly? Because sure. you've been talking a little. <laughs> um, the same way that black folks said, "I'm going to take my child out of this safe environment," back then. The safe environment where they have teachers that look like them, where they have other students, because I know it's not that they're not getting the best education, because let's be clear, those same kids who went to segregated school still went off to college. They still went off and became teachers and lawyers and doctors and all of these things. Mm -hmm. But they said, if we're going to live in this country and not be treated as second class citizens, we want what the white kids want. I remember covering a story in a town in Alabama where the old black school used to be. Now all the kids go to the same high school. But I went and talked to the people who still keep the history of the black high school. And they were like, you know, we would be walking along the street in the dust, getting dirty, going to school while the white kids were riding on a bus. We would get their second, third hand textbooks with, you know, racial epithets written in them with pages missing. And the fact that we're not, we're, we're supposed to be an integrated society now that everything's supposed to be equal, but yet and still you have kids who have secondhand technology in the same school system. So is the answer giving all the schools the same resources, not worry about the white black makeup? Because you know, it's so weird. This why is, don't the schools have the yeah, same because resources, of racism, the same school because system? Because of racism. Then why do the, the kids who, why is there a situation where kids get to go to a school like equal? Like how does the the city, the state equalize that situation? If the other kids don't have it, then you shouldn't have it. And your right. parents don't get to buy it. Right. So, so or jo- they get to pay taxes so we can all have it. So Joe but nobody very, wants to talk about that. Joe Ugg has been very interested in like what happens at Amistad, one charter school. And Babs, that doesn't mean all charter schools. So they have a really odd 21st century racial dynamic. So the people who run it and found it, you know, like they're all they're all white. I don't think it's odd. I think it's just I think it's just hearkening back to history. So white people, saying, white people save trying to save right, black save, children, and then they say we I don't, don't really like that. They but said, they want to save black children without actually like interrupting their own white children's right. lives. Right. So, so then they say good. So then, because if you don't have any skin in the game, like it's fine to talk the talk, right? It's fine to say, oh, I'm going to go teach in the school system. But if you're not going to teach in a school system, you wouldn't actually send your own kids to. And only if you can send your kids to the, the, the minority of schools that are doing really well. How is that fair? How are you really living your truth? How are you really living a, a struggle that you say you care about when you can opt in and opt out? And then mm-hmm. the two other odd aspects. I'm using what you say is because he's followed this a lot. Amistad, two other weird racial twists on it. So Deisha told his wife, who's a very liberal person who found it. She said, is she? 
Yeah. Is she or liberal? Was, I don't know. So anyway, she said, I mean, it started the group. That's how they started, right? Some of the chart people were like hedge fund money and these kind of white liberals, right? So he, she said, I don't care that we're 100% black and brown. I don't care. Because if she had been born 30 years earlier, 20 years ago, she would have said it's very important that we have racial mix. She said, no, we're here to stay black kids. Meanwhile. Oh, my God. I hate I that. Me, I hate yeah, hearing I, that I every moment of every second. And then you have a situation where so many black parents want to send their kids to that school they believe it's a better school but that's that, what black parents want black parents just want an equal shake for their kids it's not so much that they it's just they want something they want something for their kids we all every every parent wants something better for their kids so the fact that they pedal they, listen i i wish there was some other other world that this could play out differently, but we don't have that. And I understand why parents send their kids there. I get it. I know the pain of what it is to think about where I'm going to put my kid for the best opportunity. I wrestled with that. So I was one of those guilty white parents. Nicole's calling out <laughs> because I, I felt very defensive. She's right. And I was wrong. So my kids started out at traditional public schools in New Haven. They went to a Jewish parochial school in the middle. And then they went to Wilbur Cross High School. In my opinion, I could never write about this because I thought it was unfair enough that teachers there knew that there was a reporter and a kid there. I didn't want to put them spot by writing about it. I thought that the schools were run so badly. It wasn't the kids. Plenty of nice teachers. I thought the school system was so broken and so inexcusably incompetent and just nutsy that I thought it was a travesty. No one should be sending their kid there. My kid, my older kid felt it was good she went there because she learned how to deal with ridiculous bureaucracy and it was important to go to schools that are racially diverse. And I think that's the way that diversity might help white kids more than the black kids. I don't know. But, uh, but so it's a really tricky question. What do you think, Joe? Because you followed the whole charter thing. Well, the thing that I, was, that I wanted to highlight earlier is that I'm trying to wrap my head around why is it such a responsibility on the parents to have to worry about if the school is supposed to, like you, like you said, if it have been a fair system, why shouldn't be why all respons the full responsibility responsibility be on the system? I think we're giving them an excuse and not addressing the real elephant in the room. If you're gonna give these books over here to this group, then it goes to this group. If this group don't get it, that group don't get it. It's the system. That's partly and, and, we, and the system. And if if we have that system, like like Bab said, parents want to send their kids to mm. good schools. And I'm quite sure parents will want to send their kids to schools that they feel, you know, they could integrate. If you have choice, what it is right now is limited choice because the system is falling apart. Limited choice, you said you got three schools in the city that are high performing. That's limited choice for yeah. a parent who wants to And that's where Marquisha and I to. think, and tell me if I'm accurately reporting this, Marquisha, we talked about the other day, what it came down to in the end, this is sort of the cop out for the white liberal like me who wants to have the excuse saying, I don't, my kid's not a social experiment. Even though, you know, I did send my kids I across. think the pressure should be pushed right back on the system. In I agree. That, and, and I think there's all no angles. solution. Whether you're talking about this or you're talking about bus costs, stuff that has nothing to do with race, mm -hmm. there's no solu no alternative to making all the schools good. I mean, the reason we don't really don't have <laughs> neighborhood schools. Yeah, like if they were all good, we wouldn't <laughs> be having the conversation. And I hate to say it, but most of the schools really stink. They don't stink like the people are good. But the that's teachers just are not good. just New Haven, though. Not a lot of people's school one. system stinks. So America yeah. has a New school Orleans. system I mean, look problem. at Louisiana and, and Mississippi. But, and, but that's just like that's if Americans want a better school system, everybody has to opt in, though. That's what I Everyone. believe. I believe you you shouldn't get. I hate to say I, you, you shouldn't get the choice to opt out of what's available I to agree. you. Say just it. like. There, I mean, there are Same. places where, well, and here's the you thing, do. though. But here's the thing: 
there are places i think it happened in connecticut where a woman who an african-american woman who wanted to move her child to a better school system got arrested yeah. and went to jail and yeah. went to jail right. Right. But if you have money, you can buy a house <laughs> and in a different area, school district, and you're not violating the law by like, oh, well, I'm not sending my kids. To, if your school doesn't perform this way, I'm not sending just and because then, you have the means to and move. And white and black alike, if you're in with people in power, you get you your kid You can move your kid, but if you don't have any power. Well, that's the point of power. If you don't have any power, but public education shouldn't be about power. Do you remember, no, a lot remember of things when should West be about Hills Magnet School it was the hot elementary school it no longer is back in the 90s and 80s and parent night there'd be a quorum of the board of alders there because so many of the parents had the kids there. and the pressure on but you know the pressure here is at pundit friday <laughs> FM, you could feel it's it the pressure reliever uh, <laughs> we're talking about the news stories of the week with the top pundits and a lot's been going on this week including last night uh Marquisha was at an event where new idea got floated looks trying like to it really channel my happen. inner babs i was like what would babs do how would babs feel <laughs> so about the this? idea was that maybe this summer we'll try it on a pilot maybe downtown maybe the hill and dixwell places where there's not enough parking on the street hey hey, hey don't be messing with downtown. people you walk, people are cool. proposing a system space. where all computerized that if it's a place where a lot of people want to park and it's really crowded the price will go up for those hours and a place where not as people want to park which i understand why they're doing this the price would go down so the go for a goal of because they might not be 80, making any money anyway because there's nobody make, parked there. Oh, I see. So, so loot more. So eighty five percent where they want to have the the maximum of how many street spaces are uh, taking a minute. Pretty complicated. What do you think? What was the feeling? What was the reaction last night? Mark? So so Doug had Doug House Layton, who's a our, our transit czar czar. Um, he didn't. He he only really got to like give them that spiel really quickly. So he didn't get to get a lot of feedback because the meeting was wrapping up really quickly. It was at the end of this this. Uh, almost two hour meeting because um, people kind of just they always bury the lead yeah. yeah they kind of buried the lead on that and talked about like a lot of the parking problems that have been ongoing in the hill and some of the other places in the city um, but you know he he described a system where you know you get beyond so I was like I said I was channeling my inner Bab I was like what would Babs do and I was thinking about how you like sometimes when you have the time to get to the studio you, you park in the lot, particularly on a Friday, because you're like, I don't want to get a boot. And you've had some boots and some tickets uh, <laughs> parking have. on the street when you uh-huh. had to be here long. But when you're coming in hot and you need and that parking <laughs> space is available, you're going to park in it. <laughs> so this system now it, it would be it, and, and the city has access to all of this information because all of the, the parking meters are digitized. So there's a thousand parking meters. So they know which parts of the city they know around the green that it's really at certain times of the day it ebbs and flows. So if you come in in the morning, you're liable. You would be liable to pay a lot less because there's not many people parked there in the morning. But as the time wands into the day and lunchtime starts to happen and you're still here. So basically, you know, and I think I've said this before that the, the city has been trying to navigate how to make it more attractive for people to use parking spaces on the street out for short term parking and not so much being there for four hours unless it warrants that or you're willing to pay for what it costs for you to be parked there for hours to keep the churn happening and keep people moving and get people in garages. If you're going to be somewhere really long term, they have we don't use this enough, but they have a they have a parking program for when you go to dinner. Some of the restaurants will validate you so you actually don't have to pay parking. Yeah. Um but you, you're my you're my favorite person who likes to look for parking on the street. You're like parking gods, find me a park on the street. This is my town. I don't have to park in the garage. So because the parking costs what it costs everywhere around downtown, you're more likely to do that. Is what Doug Houseland is. What he wants you to say. Well, look, if I park oh. here, it's gonna cost me three dollars and fifty cents 
for like the first hour. Oh my God! <laughs> because it's at a hot time. It's, Halls it's, lined up. It's my <laughs> nemesis. But but if you're willing to go a block over. You know, sometimes like during um, the concerts on the green, yeah. we park in a lot that I'm not going to disclose because we don't want y'all to park there. Um, <laughs> that's if you get there early enough, it's free. And yep. we just walk over a and block. Walk so over here's something I just thought about here. So he's saying if you do down. that, you you pay less in parking. So Marquis, let me run down. So let's say one of the reasons it's crowded is because there's a big meeting at City Hall. Ah. So richer people. We'll be able to well, park closer and get well, there Well, you know that City Hall is already arranged because the Alders oh, kind of worked on They arranged free parker for, for democracy. Yeah, so. I, I forgot it. I wonder if any of our leaders yeah. remember this. So if you go into a meeting downtown, <laughs> yeah. if you park in the designated lots or the um, the um, garage over there, over it's I think the one over here, um, across Street. on Elm Street, on Orange Street or Elm Street? Oh, Orange down Elm. I thought it was okay. Down, yeah. So one of those city lots, you, you get your parking thing, you'll get it validated after you leave your meeting and then you pay but for it. But you parking. see, Marcus, you and I were kind of confused about it. Do you think anybody uses it? We should find out whether anyone's actually used it. I think people parking. use it. I've seen, I've seen people at meetings use I it. I think it's not. New Hallville folks, especially because they're like, no. Excellent. Yeah, I've I seen didn't them know use about it. it. I sure yeah. didn't know anything about We've it. We've written about well, it. Where you been? No. Oh, you know what? So in the answer, how does Babs come down at the end? Does Babs want to do this <gasps> plan? Well, I think if you're if you're coming in hot, the thing is, like, instead of you know how sometimes like their parking meters there are thirty minute increments, you would be able to get two hours off the top for a certain amount of price, whatever time of the day it is. So if you come in at a later time of the day when parking in a particular area is is you know on an ebb, you won't pay as much if you park in the parking space. But you have to weigh the cost of whether it would be cheaper for you to park in the garage mm-hmm. or if it would be cheaper for you to park on the street. Like, you have to weigh that. But and I like the convenience of the street. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I if like you that. like the convenience, you'd be willing to pay for it. Yeah. And what Doug would like to give you is a little more flexibility on how long you can park it's so there. Hard to figure so when out. your meter runs out, like, like if you had, had bought the meter for four hours anyway, you wouldn't have a problem ever. Mm-hmm. So... But yep. then you got to do all that Why math. Why do we need trigonometry just well, to talk? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. I'm so this is where I'm hoping technology 50. will be <laughs> helpful for people because you're an avid user of the Park New Haven app. I am. Is that all of that information is in there. So when you get ready to park in a zone. It'll tell me. It'll tell you this no, zone is hot. No. Don't park here. Oh, <laughs> or, no. or park here. I'm hoping it will. Oh, because that this zone is hot. I'll tell you in a second. If, if, and okay, it needs to be working really well all the time. But it's say this yeah. zone is hot. <laughs> like if you park here, it could cost you this amount of money. Like it could be expensive. Like or it's at you know it's sort of like a Yelp rating. Like yeah. it's it's high right now. Yeah. Like it's, this place is expensive. But if you park and it'll tell you if you park in this parking lot, it'll be this much. If you park a block over, it's cheaper. I mean, I can see that how that dope. that I mean, I don't know how much that would sway me. <laughs> you said I park on the street. <laughs> but you know, the people who come into the city and don't really you know know the city, I think I can see how that could be beneficial. Because I think people would, I think that would be a service that would be beneficial. What, not to me, because I like parking on the street and the convenience of that. And I think I, I think I'm willing to pay. You know, most but that, price, if you're willing to pay, most people who come, he's into like, town, we'll take your money. <laughs> most people yes. who come into town find parking lots. They most do. People. I think they do. I most think they're going to park. Oh, I know because nobody wants just to, easier. Yeah, nobody yeah, wants to be right. with the hassle. Exactly. Nobody wants to like keep coming out to feed the meter. Exactly. Like nobody wants to be bothered. Most people I know that come into town. See, I like I like a I like a street park because I have the app, so I could just yeah. up and down. The, and but then here's you know, the thing oh. with the app right now, the, the the current situation with the app is the signs are a little. And the signage they said would have to get better. You really have to work on the signage because you have a two hour parking on Chapel Street. You you say okay, it's two hour parking. But then after five o'clock, it's unlimited. So you go to the app and you put in you you, you put in maximum 
uh, let's just say from uh, between like three thirty to no, 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 like from two to four. Okay, okay, so you max out. So you go back and you say it's unlimited, and you hit that max button again. It charges you from four to nine. Ooh. Mm. Well, Philip Bynum writes in hello on Facebook. Karen Jarose and Marshall Diaz Cruz to join us. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on hello, uh, Pundit hello. Friday on WNHH Radio with the pundits of the hour. So, folks, screw the drivers. What about bike riders? <laughs> the city has a new plan: bike share. You pay a whole bunch of fee. You pick up a bike at one spot, go to another so. spot. I'm waiting to find out. Tom Breen tried it for a week to see if you can actually get I your work done. I saw him on the bike. He was so cute. He was doing a story <laughs> about can you do your work in a week and actually use this new bike share system. We'll read about that later in the Independent. Meanwhile, he had a story yesterday that was really kind of interesting. So the first station's up. McDonald's has been sponsoring the stations. They have a big freaking McDonald's. No, people there. are like all upset hey, I about this. Uh, I, I, I had a feeling Babs going to say that. Here's the latest wrinkle on it, Babs. So everyone was upset. There are these big McDonald's signs at it saying, well, bike's supposed to get you healthy. And meanwhile, they're telling you to eat Big Macs and everything. And uh, the city says, we, we can't afford to build this thing. So we had to let people buy ads. And they said, well, you can limit what kind of ads, but limit how many you can sell. But here's the little fine print no one paid attention to. So certain of the bikes or statements are in parks, but you can't put these billboards up. So if you don't put a billboard at one spot, they, the advertiser gets to buy two at another. So now McDonald's wanted to be two freaking building height McDonald ads <laughs> at the Stetson Library, not right next to it. So like, okay, you got past one, you survive. In the black neighborhood, you, right? Yeah, you survive without diabetes for like four steps. Not in Westville. To another. But you know, I, I couldn't wait to hear what Babs <laughs> thought no, about this. There, there won't be any like bike share ad panels in Edgewood Park, so maybe in Westville. But Babs, I kind of guessed you were going to say what you just said, and I was really instant in that because some people say, you know, like McDonald's is a sponsor of the Olympics, Coca-Cola done stuff. People aren't that dumb, you know. That doesn't mean they're going to go do it. Other people say, well, yeah, but you have subliminal advertising; it does right, lead to exactly. diabetes. That branding is the and killer. also one point that just never comes out. I think the Mc, I believe that the McDonald's franchise on Whaley Avenue, closest to the Dixwell neighborhood, is owned by a local franchisee like a black man yeah <laughs> right. so like there, there's that other angle which is that well mcdonald's provides jobs it provides an income yes. for a whole family so does crack but dealing. that's but it, <laughs> but crack dealing's illegal <laughs> mcdonald's but that's, ain't but this, is, this is i love these kinds of things right because <laughs> i do because they're so weighty and we have to sort of Especially you know have these Big conversations yeah well and, and i can't eat at mcdonald's so no, so it's all dairy everything yeah, everything's there. all milked up protein i'll die within 20 minutes but i love these weighty conversations because it's it's steeped in morality right it's a moral component to it uh it's steeped in racism because mm-hmm. <laughs> right. they're in places they're not right. everywhere they're, they're in particular it. places yeah. right. and uh <laughs> and and it is an economic issue particularly for the city because it generates some revenue we right can't, we can't afford this bike share on our mm-hmm. own where we gotta oh, yeah. financial so what do you think joe well, you loving it? No. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you think of it, you know, at the end of the day, there's only two types of advertising. There's call to action and there's branding. Call to action, Macy's does tell you get off the couch, you get the one day sale. Branding <laughs> is what McDonald's do. They don't tell you, come and get it right now. But they, they tell do, you, they tell you the you price for specific. When you feel hungry and you want it hot and fast. First. That's right. And then they show you the big succulent burger so you feel hungry that second and you take your bike share right over. (laughs) So you have to think of the depth depth of that advertising. Yes. um, What is it going to do to us? Now it's, we know it's about eating healthy and all that stuff. But when that long-term branding, when that branding hits you at 8, 9 o'clock at night, 
Or yep. after a long day, it, or you've got or, kids and you, you got to feed them, and it's cheap. It's yep. cheap. It's hot. It's fast. But one thing that is fascinating to me, coming from a, a, a southern place where every fast food you can imagine is everywhere. <laughs> I used to love a Hardee's uh, biscuit. Yeah, so you have all of that: <laughs> Hardee's, Burger King, McDonald's, and I mean, like they're as they're as prominent as you know how when Starbucks thinks you're a hot town, which apparently we are now because there's a new Starbucks at the corner of, of Chapel or. A church in Orange what? coming. What? There's a Starbucks no, no, church coming in. in uh, Elm. A church in Elm. Um, church in Elm. But you just There's have it so close to each other. Well, yeah. in the South, like McDonald's is like every other block or whatever, right? Uh, but I'm here in New Haven, but here in New Haven, we have what three McDonald's total? Because I think yeah. they have the I'm very surprised room, by that. Like they're very spread out. You have one basically in the center of the city on, and then you have one in our neighborhood in Westville. They used to, they used to have one where the Starbucks is now. We have the two mall. Burger Kings. We have like like one or two. Like we only have one or two of everything. And I'm like, this feels like a smaller town because we don't, but we have so many other kinds of restaurants that mm-hmm. it just kind of balances out. So you like, Sometimes if you wanted a McDonald's in some of the places that it's being advertised, you'd really have to ride that bike to get there <laughs> so I or a take bunch. a bus or drive. And it'd be so out of the way. And you would have passed so many other places that would give you a hamburger that you'd be like, why would I go to McDonald's? So I had a hunch, Babs, that your instinct would be I find that the way your first reaction. And you agree it is complicated that people make it too big deal about it. You have ads in life. Yeah, I think, I think it's too much of a big deal. Whereas Joe, what do you think? See, I think it's ugly. Oh, I don't enjoy it, but I also I—it's in the landscape to a point that I don't even pay any attention to it. I was sort of—I was really jarred when I saw also it. Also, because Hill there's House not a McDonald's school. nearby when I would want to go, like Kids I'd have to make an stuff. effort. I don't yeah, I'm just stuff. thinking like the the, the bike share is, house. I walk by, taste because it's the message you want to market. But you say in. it's going to be a bigger sign than what's there already, right? No, two of them instead of one. Yeah, it'd be two and They're three. big. Be two sides before They're big. The size of a bus. But shelter. the thing right now, what you're looking at is when I see that, you know, I don't even see the sign for McDonald's. I actually see the bikes. It's very interesting right now. But when that novelty wears off, then what? You know, when it becomes commonplace to see these bikes, that's where McDonald's kicks in. And if you're having two signs, they're going to catch you coming and going. And catch you slipping. <laughs> Joe Ugly had the solution, which we're not going to let him leave. We're not going to let him claim his honor as sexiest man of 360 state <laughs> if he gets into law what he wants to take give the, you a sash and a crown he, he, tax the bike riders. he says just tax oh, by the, the way, bike can riders. i just uh just let it be known that i'm in the rock to rock uh bike ride are you, anybody else in are you in not okay, i'm doing the bike i'm doing the rock to rock yeah common ground and i'm just gonna you know i'm riding let's just put it that way and that benefits common you ground you should wear so something that says me. the sexiest man is riding in rock to rock if you want to come out and support me please do uh it's on the 28th of April. Okay. I support you. 62 miles, by the way. That's what I, I want. Oh, you're doing 60? Mar- I think Margot's doing, she's not doing the 62. The 30 something. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to do the 20 or the 30 or whatever. 20 or the 40. Mm-hmm. I think she's doing 20. Well, she's we like, went the mile here on Pundit Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, showing support for us on Pundit Friday. Day I can't wait to hear uh, uh, Tom Breen's uh, analysis of the bike riding. Yeah, yeah. and, and Hannah Nicole Jones, you got a great afternoon of reading coming at 2 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, and happy Goes Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Passover. Passover. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. We'll get you back next week with Norma Rodriguez Reyes. We missed you. Thanks yes. to Pundits. Amen, girl. The best Pundits in the business. Babs Rolls Ivy, Marquisha Ricks, Joe Ugly, and Harry Dross. <laughs> We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. Well, on this Pesach and Easter weekend, may we all be blessed with peace. May we all be blessed with well-being. And may we all be blessed with love.